This is my kind of movie, you know? I, I had a feeling after uh, after John Wick, I had a feeling. It's like when I was watching it, it's like, you know who liked this movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, uh, I did, there's so much yes to this movie. I, I, uh, I love it. I loved every minute of it. Uh, so, ready to jump into this? I think we already did. Okay. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Post Credits Podcast. My name is Brian Schoff. Joining me today is my co-host, Mr. Matt Pepler. How you doing, buddy? Oh, really good. And I'm so happy that this movie is what it is. Uh, so what, pray tell, is the movie we're talking about, good sir? Just in case you couldn't tell by clicking <laughs> on the name of the podcast, we're talking about Nobody, the new release starring... Mr. Bob Odenkirk, who you might know from a small little show, I think it was uh, Breaking something. Breaking something. Breaking Saul. Yeah. Better Call Bad. Something, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Had a, had a small cult following. He's been the around tiny. forever, I mean, though. It could have like, won awards if it was a little better, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's it been around forever, really, like Bob Odenkirk has, like... He was running around with Johnny Knoxville, like doing some jackass stuff. I mean, like that's how long he's no been shit. around. Okay, yeah. I I don't know much about his background. He must have been a stand-up comedian or something. Oh, he was like he was like a big improv guy, you know. And he did work. Um, who is? Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but he was uh, in Arrested Development. But the husband to Portia de Rossi, David Cross. Yes, he did a Bob Odenkirk and him had like a comedy sketch show a long time ago on like Comedy Central. Um, and I forgot that that's where I saw him first. So, and this was like I think even before Dave Chappelle show, you know. So, however long ago that was at that point, I mean, I remember watching Dave Chappelle when I was like a sophomore in college. Which to me still feels like yesterday, but every time it's like I I start feeling like that. It's like now, Brian, that was twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I hate that. And then like I realized like Toy Story was from like ninety seven or ninety eight. It's like oh my god, <laughs> you know where did the time go? And I hate like the years go by. <laughs> you know, again, and it still feels like yesterday to me. But then it's like you see something, or it's like Gremlins two, thirty years old. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was reluctant to see this, um, because of two reasons. One, when I saw the preview, I assumed that it was kind of like a Death Wish movie, where it was like some, you know, family man gets wronged, and he somehow was able to go on like a murderous rampage, mm -hmm. right? Or that it, and at the time, I think the easy and kind of insincere comparison is to say it's a John Wick ripoff. You know, I think that's kind, you can see similarities, but I would argue against that it's a ripoff. 
you know? So with those two things in mind, I was like, nah, I think I'll just skip nobody, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I'm glad I was forced to sit down and watch it for this episode. <laughs> so. Yeah, I it, it kind of completely slipped past me and then a friend had recommended it. We checked it out and it's like, yeah, it was pretty good. I, you know, really enjoyed it. Um, but you described the plot there. I mean, it is a family man who gets wronged and then kind of goes on a murder spree. However, it, it's a little more complicated than that, like most things in life, where he turns out to be this badass army assassin who yes. who wanted, you know, th- this is kind of like his witness protection program where he just kind of goes yes. dark, goes underground, and then these burglars come into his house and, you know, he's kind of like not not here kind of a thing. And the other disingenuous comparison that I saw, because I, I checked out a couple of re- reviews and one of the things I kept coming across was that, like this this line where people are like, you know, uh, a man gets an emasculated man goes on a murder spree and blah, blah, blah he's not emasculated like the definition of emasculating is you know it's embarrassing someone it's it's taking something away from them like their station or their authority or something like that and forcibly serving them humble pie that's emasculating someone this was his choice i mean we go through the drudgery of his day-to-day life because you know he's just has to pull it back pull it back I get that, you know, and and I think anybody who's worked a nine to five job five days a week totally understands like this is the grind, but it's his choice. He's not emasculated. Second of all, when the burglars come into his house, he pretty deftly shows that even though they're the invaders, he had the upper hand the whole time. He, He made it his choice to let them go so that his family wouldn't see that. Then he went after them. None of this, none of this is emasculating. So no, that comparison is very disingenuous. Don't agree with it. You know, the other comparison that I've seen come up and I think it's insulting to nobody. The movie, not anyone, you know, <laughs> okay. is that, <laughs> is that uh, people compare it to Taken because it's another old guy in an action movie. Now, for those of you that have, you know, you know, rose-colored glasses looking back at Taken, I would say go watch that again because it's kind of a shit movie now. Like, it's not very good. And the editing, like, we've kind of gotten, we're in this, what I love is that we're kind of in this um, heyday of Uh, knowing how to shoot action movies, especially fight sequences now, right? Where people are tuned into, especially like directors are tuned into longer cuts and not choppy editing and quick cuts and all this stuff. But if you go back and look at Taken, it is very similar to Iron Fist, where it's like, here's 30 seconds of fighting, but we're going to have 100 cuts in it you know Mm -hmm. and uh taken is very similar to that now and i think if you went back to taken you would say like you know what it's not as good as i remember because i remember taken 
I remember that movie fondly. Like that was such a fun experience to watch. And then I watched it like a few months ago and I'm like, huh, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I think like that's really unfair because even in the action sequence in this one, and you know that like Bob Odenkirk is not Keanu Reeves, right? But still the way that they're able to cut it, it's not jarring and you understand what's happening to each cut. Like, it's not like, wait, what just happened there? What did I watch? You know, mm -hmm. especially in the bus sequence, you know, right at the beginning, <laughs> That's like great. just fucking, it's so wild where it's like, just, and that he's not entirely invincible, you know, like Keanu Reeves is in all of, all the John Wick movies, yeah. you know, it, it's, which, a, it's a little more John McClane here. You know, where, yeah, where it's more yeah. like an everyman kind of thing. I love how he gets thrown out of the bus and then gets knocked out. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's that. He's gonna have to go back to to his wife. And he gets up and he opens the door. I'm like, yes, uh -huh. going back in. Round now two. the pain really begins. Round two. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's unfair to compare uh, nobody to uh, take it. So take in which maybe I'm speaking out of my league because I haven't seen any. There's three of those, right? Yes, I haven't seen I, two or three. I haven't seen yeah. any of them. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, just, however, just, just skip it. There's however, I'm aware of it, and it came out kind of at the height of those Born Supremacy movies, Jason Bourne, Paul Greengrass, oh, choppy editing that – you know, it, it was the thing at the time where it's like, oh, it's shaky. Yeah. It, you know, it's kind of a cheap trick. Gave you sort of yeah. a visceral thrill. And then once you realize that it's just a bunch of nonsense, it stops working. Whereas I think what movies like John Wick, Nobody, and Atomic Blonde all have in common, besides the production team, <laughs> because they were all, <laughs> they all made those. But what those movies have in common and to your point about using the longer cuts is multiple cuts are kind of a shortcut to making something cinematic. You know, you can use that to cover up a lot of mistakes and make things sort of like hyper punchy. And that was kind of the tendency back then. That's why that was favored and they overdid it. So now people have gotten a real appreciation for doing things in a longer shot in a more technical manner and there's also ways you'll notice as these these long shots go on where they start in a frame and then as the action moves, they'll kind of hit several other, you know, mini frames within the same frame. And a good example of this that would illustrate that point is if you watch Night of the Living Dead. A lot of the chase scene in the beginning of that, like where Barbara's running through the field, she'll start in a nice shot, like it'd be a nice wide shot, runs through the shot, kind of like stops for a close-up in front of the camera for a second, and then moves. So you just got two shots in one. Right. But you're right. using the same frame, you're moving the camera, you're moving the actors in a way that you don't always have to edit to have a new shot. You can use the camera to kind of move into a secondary shot within a shot. It, it's almost kind of like nesting compositions within compositions within compositions. And that's one of the things that makes watching these long balletic <laughs> explosive <laughs> right. portrayals of violence so much fun. Yeah. Uh, I, um, 
whenever I watch a action movie that like really gets me excited, I start actually like leaning forward and like putting my elbows on my knees because I'm like, I can't believe what I'm seeing type uh-huh. of thing. Right. Where it's like, I'm completely drawn in. And this movie did that uh, uh, as well. And it's the same type of experience when I had watching like the first two John Wick movies and certain parts of the third one, as well as like the hallway fight sequences in season one and two of Daredevil, mm-hmm. where it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, what's this is amazing, you know? Did you watch uh, season three of Daredevil? I, I did. Uh, the uh, prison fight like is a fucking masterpiece of modern action. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, I don't know. As a whole, the the season three just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't no, no, that's, it that's as much fair. as everyone did. Yeah, that's know? fair. But that fucking prison fight though is a yeah. masterpiece. Very good. Uh, but yeah, like I noticed myself doing that multiple times in this movie, and uh, I don't know. I just I love this movie. I can't praise it enough. Um, I don't have. <laughs> I wrote down my notes where it's like pros and cons and it's just like here's a laundry list of pros it's just like it's all good (laughs) yeah yeah i mean there's like so many things um i i i feel like there's a lot of problems with certain action movies where it's like they try to explain everything and everything also has to have a backstory right john wick is falling into that trap we talked about that yeah and it's it's diminishing the return i feel in the sequels like i really like the first john wick i like the second one better i can disregard like the whole assassination secret society thing Mm -hmm. as a way to expand the story but by the third one it's like can't we just have people fighting people (laughs) you know why do we have why does he have to walk through the desert why does he have to cut off his finger you know like it's just getting too much and yet for some reason they feel like they have to keep leaning into that. Whereas I, to me, that's the least interesting aspect. And and when we were watching John wick, when we did the show on it, like that was the thing where it's like, you know what? I really appreciate the fact that they're not belaboring all this shit about the coins and like the favors and the value system here. Like, it's just kind of this weird, like there's rules. They figured it out, but it doesn't matter to the plot, so they're not getting into it. I really yes. appreciated that. And then as the sequels yes. go on, it's like, well, you know, we'll just keep pulling on that thread because we don't know what else to do. Or they think that's what people want. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think I don't think it needs it, you know, and I'm glad that nobody didn't fall into that trap as well. Uh, like, for example, one of the things that I thought this movie was going to go down and I was like, oh, please don't do this. Like my thoughts were like when he fucking massacres everyone in the second home invasion, right? With Mm -hmm. all the Russians and everything. And then he has to bring his family out, right? And now he's like entirely exposed to what his other life is like to his family. Like he's going to have to explain all this. I honestly thought that it was going to be 30 or 40 more minutes of him arguing with his wife about who he is and trying to convince her that he's not a bad person, right? And I'm, I was so happy that they had their little confrontation in the garage. He says, trust me, I'll explain it to you later. And 
that's it. I'll see you around. <laughs> you know, uh, I was happy that they didn't get so involved with the family that he is having to explain through exposition what he is to the rest of his family. Because all we, all I needed to know was that he worked for the government. He kills a lot of people, makes things disappear. You know, that's all I need to know. You know, and people are afraid of him. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know the nuances of everything you know so i i just yeah. i want to say that like i'm so happy that that didn't happen you know if there's a nobody too they probably will go down that road though because they they kind of hint that it, they're sort of setting up like you know well maybe there's a sequel maybe not i don't know but whatever started here is continuing that's fine i don't want a nobody too i kind of just want this to just exist as its own thing yeah they uh, they definitely kind of set it up to have a sequel, kind of like little winks, not necessarily like, you know, Michael Myers on the ground and then the camera cuts back to the ground and he's not there anymore type of sequel. But it's like, I could see that they would want to set up a sequel. It was successful. I agree with you. Like, I don't necessarily need to see more of this world. Uh, but at the same time, if they can pull it off and have like a something like a John Wick 2, you know, on that, I'm not saying like John Wick 2, but something that's interesting without going overboard, like in John Wick 3, then I'd be okay with, with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I mean, the the uh, writer has already written a follow-up to this, you know. So, but it hasn't been greenlit for a sequel. So, because it was like a $19 million budget, it made $64 million in the worst year of our lives. <laughs> you know? Right. So uh, it's pretty good. How fun was it when the dad turned out to be a badass too? That was fucking great. Seeing Doc Brown just kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> you know? That's my favorite. Talk about the dick. That's my favorite line in the movie is, is like, you brought a lot of shotguns. You brought a lot of Russians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I love seeing him. I, um, I, uh, I like how this movie was unpredictable in that sense, where I just assumed that because Christopher Lloyd was in a, a nursing home that there's no way he'd be able to kick anyone's ass, but, you know, then he shows up at the end just ready to kill people. Yeah. Guns are a great equalizer. <laughs> yeah. I also love their the facial expressions of pure joy that all of those characters have of killing all these people like i love that because you also see this in a lot of other movies where it's like your protagonist is unwilling to do what's necessary right but they have joy in doing what's necessary you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) like bob odenkirk literally crossing his fingers hoping that the russian chases after him like he wants him to follow him you know like Mm -hmm. please do it I love it. I think that's great. We were watching this and during the big shootout in the factory, like they were next to that, or like they, they started murdering people. And I made the joke of, you know, haha, zero days without accident. And then later on, like <laughs> yeah. they get upstairs and he's like in the manager's office, like right after he kills someone, and he like <laughs> rubs that off the board, like, you know, 200 days without an accident or whatever. Swish. <laughs> yeah. I like that too. Yeah, there's a lot of other ones. There's a lot of like little like 
kind of nods and winks that are kind of funny. There, there was one with the bus though. I don't remember what it was though. Like next stop or something. Like the bus sign is flashing while he's kicking everyone's ass on the bus. But I kind of forget like what the actual joke was. Oh, the something that had to do with like the please be seated motion. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you think about the Walter PPK reference? Refresh my memory. So he has a um, like a flashback when he's telling the group of dead people in his home with the record player that he was like talking about a guy who he didn't kill for skimming money from the U.S. government because mm-hmm. that's what he was sent to do. And the guy who he was who was telling him this story you know, uh, who Bob Odenkirk's did not kill, ends up having like a family life and not doing these criminal acts anymore. Right. But in that, in that scene, he's talking about like how he had him kneel down and he's like, and I had a Walter PPK behind his head or whatever and was ready to shoot. He goes, no, it wasn't that. It was something else. It was like a different gun that he had. So it like played around with the Walter PPK, which is a reference to James Bond, you know? Mm. I didn't really think anything of it other than they just mentioned it. I mean, I, it's not like they trashed the gun or like it was a bad gun or something. No, I just thought you thought it would be, or I would imagine that you think it'd be cool to have that type of reference in it. Like, you know. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sorry. I'm, okay. I'm tank, I, this isn't going the way you were hoping. It's... Yeah, this tanked hardcore. <laughs> so Sorry, man. Flatlined. Yeah, no, it's fine. You know, Pete, my my brother was asking me if um, if I carried a gun, if, if if is that the gun that you would carry? And uh, I don't think so, because like thinking about it, you know, like I'm I'm a little, you know, I'm I'm not a bulky guy, so they're like a Glock, like you'd be able to clearly see if I was carrying a hog leg. So I don't know. It it would probably be something along those lines, but I don't think it'd be a PPK. Although I would like to shoot one of those. I think that'd be uh, a lot of fun. I've got a, a BB gun, like a, a PPKS BB gun, you know, just for fun. Oh, okay. You know, just shooting targets in the backyard. But uh, why do you think it would be fun to shoot this type of uh, pistol over others? Just to add it to the list of guns that I can say that I've shot. <laughs> okay. Well, I just didn't know if it had like a different type of recoil or kick or, you know, or if it's just like because certain weapons certain handguns have like a certain type of precision to them whereas others like don't at all like for example you know um my dad you know uh probably a republican then i don't know if he would be a republican now on the current state of things but he um he was a a believer in like self-defense if need be so he, he buys a 10 millimeter handgun right mm-hmm. which that's like a higher size than a desert eagle you know so yeah. my point is if it's for self-defense a weapon like that's going to have such a massive recoil right that you better line up that first shot because it's probably going to be super difficult to line up that second shot you know if mm-hmm. you're claiming self-defense so yeah i didn't know if it was like a precision weapon with little recoil or like, you know, we're just going to turn someone's head into a canoe. Like, you know, this handgun that my dad bought. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. And any good gun instructor, when people are picking out their firearms, will tell you that recoil is nobody's friend. And yet a lot of people, you know, it's that classic thing where it's like your eyes are bigger than your stomach and you order, you know, a, oh, yeah. a, a steak that's too big to eat. People do that with guns all the time where it's like they just want the biggest, most powerful thing. And it's like, that thing's going to break your wrist, dude. Like, <laughs> you know. Right. Or or the kickback's going to send it up over your head. And it's just, yeah, it's like you're saying. It's, no, recoil is no one's friend. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. The PPKS, now that we're turning, in, turning this into a gun podcast, um, <laughs> you know, that has a similar kickback to the 9mm and but it's got a smaller form factor so it's more concealable that's why it was favored during the war for nazi officers and when ian fleming was writing those books james bond's original gun was a nine millimeter beretta and some gun nut at the time wrote into ian fleming and like he wouldn't carry that that's a bad gun this is the gun he should be carrying and then they (laughs) they wrote they wrote back and forth and fleming agreed with them and that's how bond wound up carrying the walter pbk Interesting. And that still exists today, although it's the PPKS now. That's okay. the new, that's the new model that they sell. So there you go. What'd you think of the kills in this? Uh real quick, I tried to find a breakdown like I did for John Wick, like how people were killed, where it was like so many people were killed by automatics or whatever, you know, because we mm-hmm. had that list of like, you know, 70 were killed by this, and then you know, yeah, so many a percentage of those were headshots. But I just found that like 77 people were killed in this movie, but not a specific breakdown. But what did you think of like some of the kills? I mean, like my favorite is the three-piece collateral damage by Raza, you know? <laughs> so Isn't he telling the story about that? Or, or at the end, like, like the mid-credits roll, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's funny. <laughs> yeah. That That is the kind of thing someone like that would brag about, and, and no one would believe him <laughs> if, if he didn't have witnesses. <laughs> Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of liked some of the other creativity of the stuff, like where he's in the club, and then the guy comes in to sing, and then like it's like the the crowd parts, and he's just sitting there eating a steak, you know, watching him sing, like raises his glass to him, and then, like how fucking dare you? And he opens his coat, and he's holding it. He's got a claymore mine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the kind of thing that I. I mean, the kills. You know, that that's just gory eye candy, but that's the kind of stuff that I really appreciate is like when you can set up booby traps and, you know, realistically, like how do you walk into a room like that is the one person in a hostile environment and engineer the situation where you will be able to walk out as a writer. I love coming up with those things. I always try very hard to dream up insane situations. And then it's like solving a puzzle where it's like, okay, Brian, Now that you painted yourself into a corner, how do you get out of this? <laughs> you know, and I try to make it credible. I try to make it credible. I, I think that would probably be the hardest thing. Well, one, you probably have like a million ways for someone to get out of it. But I think the hard part would be making it believable, you know, mm-hmm. where if you were to make that into a scene, like people wouldn't think or wouldn't people like me who are hypercritical and nitpicky about movies wouldn't scoff at, you know, like, okay. (laughs) Well, it's, uh, you know, it's just your basic suspension of disbelief and the movie that you're in, 
has to establish a set of rules. And if you violate those rules, you know, that's the point at which the audience kind of turns on you. That's kind of why I fell off the Flash TV series, because like I I enjoyed it, but it's like, okay, he's a, a forensic crime detective and it has a completely blatant disregard for the science of actually solving crimes. Yeah. It's just like, just use a computer to solve the, you know, the internet's magic. So that'll just solve everything. I'll just hack into the smartwatch on that guy and electrocute him. It's just dumb shit like that. I want to talk about the CW for a minute. Cause I want to take that. I fell off thing a little bit further. Every damn villain in the flash I can't say that, but most of them, like a high percentage of them in The Flash or in Arrow are either people who are like The Flash and can run really fast or they shoot arrows as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I just am over that where it's like, here's our new villain. It's exactly like our hero and exactly like our, you know, other villain we had last season. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I got like four seasons into Arrow and I was like, all right. And then I got to the second season of The Flash and I was like, hey, it's like Arrow. I can't waste any more of my time. With this. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a trap. I mean, it's not just CW and DC, but like Spider-Man falls into that where there's a million people that have spider powers now. And Batman fell into that where there's a whole Bat family. And that makes that makes batman not special it, that makes spider-man exactly. not special. venom yes. there's my buddy and i were talking about this like oh i wonder how many symbiotes there are now it's biblical we we looked up a wikipedia article there's like 50 different symbiotes i haven't even heard of half of them you know oh my god i feel your pain but i saw a youtube video of all the symbiotes and it was like i thought it was going to be like a 10 minute thing right like oh it's this 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 and they're all kind of like venom but it was like a half hour long. And I was like, wow, this video is really long. And I, I only got about 20 minutes in where I'm like, this enough is enough. <laughs> you know, there's just so many of them. Wow. And it doesn't make it special at all. It makes it unspecial because everyone has the same thing. All I got to do is just find an alien and have it come into my body and I can be like them all. Like, it's really uninteresting at that point, you know, because... It, because it makes something unspecial, the stakes are that much lower, right? Like, why does a movie like Nobody not have that problem? Because he's a badass with guns and he's fighting badasses with guns, and yet somehow it doesn't make his abilities seem less special. Because they're not superheroes, right? So, here here's the difference, right? Like, with superheroes, a lot of their abilities are given to them like unwanting right uh so like for example you know maybe this is a bad analogy but batman isn't a superhero but like he i get that's a horrible example let me (laughs) think about that again with okay like with spider-man right or eddie brock they just kind of had something happen to them right and suddenly like they're they don't want to be there Right. So, but now they have to use their powers for the good or for evil. Right. That doesn't take any training or any specific know how to do something. 
So when you look at Bob Odenkirk in this one, like it's that he train had training, likes to be here, likes to be in this situation. He wants forgot how much he missed it. Yes. Right. Needed it. That's much more interest. It's okay. And it's the same thing in sports, right? Like you want to see the people that want to be there and are the best at what they do. Right. And to have those go against people like skills. I don't know. To me, it just seems like with superheroes, there's just kind of like, I don't want to do this, but I will. Where it's like, no, I, I want to kill you all. You know, like I want that. That's much more interesting to me than a lot of the superheroes. So it's a question of a person's nature then, because with the superhero yeah. thing, you know, Peter Parker does the right thing because it's the right thing. You know, he makes the hard choice because it's the right thing, not because it's convenient. Whereas right. Eddie Brock is taking that same thing, but using it for personal gain. And a John Wick or a Bob Odenkirk is kind of like just watching a tiger be a tiger. You know, like it's yeah. just here, here's the thing's nature yes. and you just set it wild and this is what yeah. happens. Yeah. And I just that's that to me is much more interesting than I have these superpowers and I'm going to go against these other superpowers, you know, and. Hey, with, yeah, you're, like that, you're slandering my comic books here. Well, well, <laughs> I was just going to say. Is it interesting for someone like Superman to go after normal people? Because he could just easily kill them. Or is it only interesting when Superman is going against people that have like higher powers, right? You know what I mean? Well, isn't like, that sort of a false equivalence? Because his greatest villain is Lex Luthor, who's a normal guy who doesn't have any superpowers other than the fact that he's... My analogies are shit today, so <laughs> they're horrible. I'm, I'm bringing bad analogies because, yes, you're right, like... Lex Luthor is just a guy that can buy kryptonite off the black market and use that mm -hmm. every chance he can get, you know? Well, and he's a complete shit and, you know, will use his money and station to his advantage. Whereas I, I think there's a bit of a false equivalence, like with your Arrow reference, where it's exactly, you know, it's Wolverine and Sabretooth. Like, they're opposite sides of the same coin. Okay, that's interesting once, but when you start doing it five times, you know, it, it's not so interesting anymore. Well, I guess maybe it's just the sheer volume of like superheroes or powers. The, the that spider verse collide. Yeah. The bat like, family that cheapens Yeah. The character that it's supposed to be propping up. Yeah, because suddenly they're not unique, right? You know? I guess that, that would be a like the uniqueness factor goes down to zero when there's multiple of the same type of character, you know? Mm -hmm. I guess that's like a fair criticism if they have sequels right because what if bob odenkirk has like comes across like the same type of person he has but evil would that be as interesting i mean i think that's also a fair argument then to have you know uh if he goes against someone who is also a family man and likes to destroy shit but with evil intentions rather than like right you know bob odenkirk being the good guy here but still destroying everything. Someone who also has a cool dad, and then they can go up against Christopher Lloyd. And... <laughs> right, right. It's a bizarre world. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I like the scene where they're in the tattoo parlor. It was a tattoo parlor, I think. And um, he's showing the, you know, he's using his dad's FBI badge. And then the one guy catches on to it. Like, yeah, that's 
pretty sure that's expired. That's not you in that photo, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they just bust them on that. And then you see the tattoo and that's that's kind of when they start getting into the, the backstory of that a little bit. And I, I thought that was kind of a nice organic way of unpacking the world of the movie without kind of belaboring that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, Someone, a YouTube channel, went into a deep dive on that why those cards are the way that they are. And I just thought it was like a silly excuse. Uh, and that like, those are in Texas, Hold'em, those are the two cards you don't want to have a seven and a two offsuit, you know, uh, because like you would have to like, those aren't particularly high cards at all, you know? So if you're trying to match something or go on like a straight or something, you're, you're not going to get it. So it's a really weak hand. And they were trying to say, like, that's what he represents. But I, I don't agree with that. I think that that's just a cool fucking tattoo to have that is somehow linked to military experience that he's had, you know? Well, that's the implication, because the, the other Marine runs away. Yeah. But I'm just saying that this uh, deep dive into that tattoo by a YouTuber was kind of off base, you know? Uh, I think that there's, like, no. that it's a tattoo for a group. You know, an opinion video on YouTube being off base. I mean, that's where I get my news from. The Earth is flat, right? We we haven't figured if the Earth is round yet. So, because of YouTube. So, who knows? Change my mind. <laughs> Send your suggestions to what's <laughs> what are those social media handles again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, send hate mails to me at Post Credits Podcast on social media <laughs> so, yes. or your we, questions we that I can debug. Yeah. Uh, so well, you didn't find anything speaking to an actual military connection. So that could have no, been an invention no. of the movie. Yes, exactly. I couldn't find anything that's like, that's tied to a specific group or subgroup in the military whatsoever, you know, which is fine because if it's supposed to represent a secret society, then, you know, it, it should be, or some silent assassin secret thing, then it should be something we're, that we haven't heard of because, you know. It's secret. <laughs> well, and it's a thing that exists in the movie, but not in real life. Right, right. I mean, it could have been like offsuit in the, the numbers, two and a seven. Like, it could have been like aces or something, which would have been like more on the nose, right? You know, like, I'm going to ace this fucking takeover, you know? Yeah. Uh, so... Well, that that'd um, be some that'd be a tattoo for a douchebag, because they're the ones yeah. that do that kind of shit. And Bob Odenkirk is not a douche. I felt like at times this um, bordered on a uh, like the Roadrunner Wiley Coyote type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like when the car crash happens, like when he gets uh, after the home or when the home invasion happens, he gets like the stun gun to the neck. Which holy fuck! Like I can't. Have you been stun gunned before? No, that's I have. I I can say I've been, you know, in fights. I've been punched in the face, choked unconscious, body slammed. Uh no, I've never been hit by a stun gun. I have. It's not a pleasurable experience and I don't recommend it. And it actually um sent me into like rage that I've never felt before or have felt since. Uh and it ended in like an a physical altercation with the person that did it. It wasn't a police officer, but it was a friend of mine who jumped into my truck and hit me in the ribs with it. Like he bought one. 
And then I proceeded to take him by the back of the head and launch him into my dashboard. <laughs> like, cause that was really unpleasant. It's people, I, I have heard people say it's like a bee sting. No, you're getting fucking shocked by electricity. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if, if a bee sting happened at the frequency of a machine gun, then yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. But yeah, no, it's... <laughs> Uh, but oh, so but the the Roadrunner Wiley Coyote, and I, I I thought this to myself like after this happened, what he's in the trunk, and I, I'm so happy that they did this too because usually when everyone's thrown into a trunk, it's kind of like well I just have to wait this out, and there's that argument to have before safety protocols were put in place. Like I don't know when they started, but. Now there's like hatch releases in the trunk in case something like this happens. There's seat releases when you're in the trunk and you can just put down a seat. So I'm, I was really happy to see like all these things happen in the movie where it's like he can get out of the trunk. He's not really like, he's not really kidnapped. But I just thought it was like he, he is Roadrunner and everyone else is Wiley e. Coyote because he just is always getting away from these people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I really love that sequence and then him explaining who he is to the dead guy at the end. Well, that <laughs> there was one guy that was partially alive. I, I think he's the one that he was talking to. And then he had everybody else propped up while he made his drink and put the music yeah. on. Yeah, well, that black Russian there, he was alive. And it's kind of like there's two jokes where it happens because he's explaining who he is, and then the camera cuts back to the Russian, and he's dead. And then the same thing happens in the living room where he's explaining who he is, and then the last guy who's alive on the couch is, you know, mm -hmm. he's dead by the end of the speech. <laughs> you right. know, Did you feel like that, that it was kind of like that, or no? Like a wily e. Coyote Roadrunner, like, yeah. always running away, escaping... I I tough son of a bitch to kill. <laughs> so yeah, no, I I just think that's the mark of a good action hero is, uh, you know, it just they're getting away with things that, you know, we not to bring up Tomorrow Never Dies for the millionth time, but one of my favorite moments in all of Pierce Brosnan's tenure is that scene where he's driving the car in the back seat, and then there's a moment where like he he pulls something. Like he pulls some shit and then he kind of like has a quick laugh and then he's just kind of like straightens out where it's like even he doesn't believe the shit he's getting away with. <laughs> you know, I thought that was really yeah. cool because like you normally never see that in a Bond movie because it, it's always just very much like that's no, another day at the office kind of a thing. So I, I like that little bit of a humanizing touch there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can see the cartoon comparison, especially in a movie like this where the the violence is so creatively over the top you know and that's what makes it entertaining is because you know and people who you know are like why do you like this junk might not understand that the reason that it's entertaining is because it can't happen you know it's not right. this isn't imitatable like th this is a saturday morning cartoon it's just that it's dressed up in hyper violence and but because you're playing it straight it becomes comical you know it's like yes. you, you go yes. so far in that direction that that is why it is okay to enjoy this. Yes. Whereas your true crime shows about people that actually, you know, murder people or stab them a million times, leave them for dead in the road, then they crawl back to civilization. That happens, you know? 
Right. That's real. Like, that's, mm, I don't know. So what did you think of the villain? Because I was reading up on people's complaints is that he's just kind of like this nameless person and they weren't very afraid of him. It's weird to see the villain sing karaoke like an idiot, you know? But also he's cutting people's like faces open with a broken martini glass. Mm -hmm. The hospital beating with the chair when the guy's teeth is already busted out. God knows what other injuries he has and he's beating him in the hospital. While he's in traction. (laughs) Yeah. 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 To me, this stuff is like, that's a villain you don't want to fuck with. So I think like that's also unfair, like an unfair criticism. But what were your thoughts on the villain of this movie? I wouldn't say I thought he was scary. I, I think the problem with that criticism is if he was too far in the other direction, those same people would accuse him of being one note. So I think the fact that he runs this nightclub and clearly enjoys singing karaoke and having fun, hey man, that's life. People can be more than one thing. You know? Yes. Just just because you're a stone blooded killer doesn't mean you live a joyless existence. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I agree with that. I just, I don't know what, I guess like one of the problems that I have with people that critique movies is they'll say the critique, like, I wish this villain was better, but they don't say, what would you like to have him be? Instead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not constructive criticism. It's just criticism. Yeah. I (laughs) For the sake of being critical. Yeah, if you didn't like it, that's fine to not like something. But why didn't you like it? You know, and I don't find that too often in like reviews that I see. So to me, it's like, I thought the villain was fine. I mean, I I don't mean like scary, like I'm running away or want to run away from him. But I'm just like scary, like this is clearly a villain that you don't want to fuck with because he's also going to try to protect what's his, you know? Mm hmm. And that's what I mean by that. So I think, like, his validations were fine <laughs> to be like, I'm going to fuck you up, Bob Odenkirk, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, um, and it's he's doing it for family, so you understand that it's personal. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like the, the motivations for this, this evil person to come after Bob Odenkirk were justified. And I always find that... Well, okay, they're justified in the same way that, like, Somali pirates justify their continuing bullshit. Because it's like, hey, we're robbing your boat. You shot one of our guys. I mean, we were only trying to kidnap and rob you, but you shot one of our guys, so we're going to escalate this now. So, yes, in in that sense, you're correct. (laughs) I'm not saying he's an anti-hero. But I'm just I'm just saying I can understand yeah, using supervillain logic. Yes, I can understand like his want to come after him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I don't believe that they're justified. I just think like in, yeah, not I in reality, but from his <laughs> yeah. point of view, exactly. Like I could be like, yeah, I yeah, I get it. You know, uh-huh. yeah. I woke up um, today. I'm a supervillain. He's this clearly in the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, in the grand, um, in the karmic scheme of things, he's clearly in the wrong. But from his yes, point of view, yeah. he's not the bad guy here. Why, right. Why won't you just right. die? Just die. <laughs> just yeah. keep throwing people at you until he dies. Yeah. What did you think of, like, the music choices in this? You know? I was going to ask because, you Because, uh, 
Well, because uh, when I saw the previews and everyone's like, hey, it's like another John Wick movie. Uh, I, As I if that's a bad thing. <laughs> well, every everyone like, can like make that's a criticism. A thing. I mean, I know. Yeah, you can, I know. You can literally use that with anything. Like, oh, that's another Marvel movie. Yeah, but Marvel movies are great. Like, what? Why is that a bad thing? Yeah, it's just the tone in it's your just voice. Another, <laughs> just another Halloween movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Speaking of which, did you see that trailer? I've watched it three times. Oh my god! I can't fucking wait. Yeah, I'm so fucking ready. You know, shiny, super distracted, but like, fuck me, dude. I am so pumped up for Halloween Kills. Anyways. The music choices. Yes. Uh, So I thought it was going to be like techno shit up the wazoo like a John Wick movie, where it's like gunplay to the beat of the music. And I love that it wasn't, that it was like some... I don't know if it was, because I'm not familiar with this type of music, but like some Frank Sinatra type shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought that made scenes more funny and kind of brought a smile to my face when I'd see it, where it's just like this great music and this massacre happening. Like the song that's played when he's taken down the the huge vault. What did they call it uh, in the movie? Oblock or something? something I don't know. like that. That's probably way off, but whatever. Uh, but that music that was playing where he's just coming in and machine gunning the fuck out of everyone, lighting the shit on fire through this, using the sprinkler system to spread the gasoline. Man, I thought... Which was like, genius, the, by the way. Yes. I just thought the music choices for what was being portrayed were really good. Well, and that's showing you that, you know, the movie really understood the psychology of the character because that's the kind of music that he would listen to. You know, it's not the kind of music that they think the audience would like in that moment. It's the kind of music that he would like in that moment, which yeah, that was always one of my big problems with the soundtrack of Punisher Warzone, because I just felt like the, the, the skinhead skateboard metal that they're playing uh-huh. is so anti Punisher, like that, you know, it's anti Punisher, like, but they're playing it because it's like, the audience for these movies like X, Y, and Z. So we're going to play a bunch of new metal on the soundtrack. And it's like, yeah, you know. but, but that's the difference <laughs> yeah. there because they're pandering. They, they're trying to play to that audience instead of, you know, trying to construct a movie that the music choices actually make organic sense. Yeah, they do, man. Yeah. I was, I was really impressed with that because I feel like it makes the movie also more memorable, you know, like it makes I don't know I feel like I can remember the scenes easier because those are in line together. Like when like he pops his, the tape his... in and yes. and the car chase starts. That's awesome. Wouldn't it be so cool to be able to do that in real life? It's just like oh car scene coming up. I'm just gonna put in whatever like ramped up music I want to listen to in a car oh, yeah. sequence. <laughs> you yeah, know? I I can't that do would be it. Amazing. I. I used to listen to movie scores when I was driving around because, you know, you, you'd like you're stuck in traffic and you dream up movie ideas. I can't mm-hmm. do it because if I listen to like action movie music, I find I actually drive faster. Oh, shit. 
Yeah, that would probably put you into some problems. Well, you know, you know, I, maybe I, meet I, some officers a few more times. Yeah, I never, know? never got any tickets out of it, but it's like, holy shit, I'm doing seventy. You should probably slow that down, Brian. You know, <laughs> I, I want to have a gripe. I, I need to like, I've gotten pulled over like so many times in my life for like not doing anything. And here you are like listening to action music, like speeding down a highway and not getting pulled over. And I think I've been pulled over for like everything. I've gotten pulled over for changing <laughs> lanes too close to an intersection before. I didn't even know that was a fucking thing. Yeah, like fuck me. Uh -huh. I almost got my license taken away when I was uh, 17. I was one point shy on my license away from it getting revoked wow. to the point where one time I got pulled over and I literally asked the officer, how many points is this going to be? Because I'm calculating it in my head on the spot. <laughs> like, am I going to be driving tomorrow? You know, am I going to be able to, it was fucking ridiculous. And then here you are like, I can't drive 55. And I'm just like, I'm doing the speed limit can't change lanes before an intersection bro <laughs> some people just have that kind of frustrating luck and apparently i am one of them well it's frustrating for me because i mean i've probably given the state a few thousand dollars just on tickets you know wow so i, I, I got a like one ticket one one yeah one uno we you saw it happen too once we were driving up north after we shot one of your movies on a record-breaking three-day or four-day thing, mm -hmm. right? Yep. It's fucking five in the morning. There's no one anywhere, right? And I get pulled over, and the ticket I got on the highway... Well, one, also, I mean, I was speeding, but one, I pulled over on the wrong side of the road. I didn't know well, that. you were you were in the left lane, and it was keep right, pass left, and there was no one there, and they pulled you over because you were in the left lane. Yeah, and that was part of the ticket, but that was like, I just feel like an officer that's not a complete asshole would not give you a ticket when there's literally no one else on the highway. Like, we are in up north Podunk, Michigan, mm -hmm. and there's not a headlight or a taillight anywhere and i get pulled over for being in the left lane because you got the left lane is only to be used when you're passing someone therefore right. by default since i'm not passing anyone since there's no one on the highway that's part of my ticket seriously fuck me like i was so annoyed i i understand your frustration however that kind of also partly sounded like an omission that you realized you were doing something wrong after the fact well, I just think it's... You're, you're just frustrated by the technicality of it? Well, it's, it's fucking dumb. But look at it my way. If there's no cars to pass, what fucking difference does it me make what lane I'm in? By default, it should be null and void anyways because there aren't any cars to pass. So what difference? That's all that I'm saying. I just think it's yeah. bullshit. Well, I, I think that's a good question for a police officer, and, and I cannot answer that. And I was also doing 10 over. I mean, I kind of deserve to be pulled over. <laughs> I just hate their reasoning for it, you know, whatever. So I don't speed anymore, and I stay in the right lane all the time. They'll get me for something else, though. That sounds like the, the ticket uh, served its purpose.
Did it though? I yeah, mean, I'm scarred because, for life. That because was like you don't 15 speed years and ago. you don't use the left lane anymore. So well, I just like it worked. I mean, I feel like I've gotten pulled over for every fucking thing. But uh, anyways, it gets me. This was so long ago. This was like 14 or 15 years ago. I'm still mad about it. But I don't hold grudges. Just remember, I do not hold oh, grudges no. at all. I just let it roll off my shoulders. The, I don't the, ever think about it again. The five-minute airing of grievances <laughs> <laughs> clearly shows that you don't hold grudges. I can still remember what that officer looks like, too, and I'd probably recognize him if I saw him. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, just add him to the enemies list. Oh, yeah. Wow, oh, mister, Jesus. you keep an enemies list? No, I keep I keep a book. Yeah, Britannica. <laughs> so I think it's safe to say we like this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really do. I, I, I want to see, not that I want to see more nobody movies, but I just want to see more of this type of movie. That's not pretentious. The plot's very simple and only acts as a device to move to the next action sequence, you know? And I'm not talking about, like, something preposterous, like, you know, uh, Ludacris and Tyrese going to space in a car that we're seeing in the new Fast and the Furious movies. You know, that's a bit overboard. But I don't know. I just think... Is that a thing? I, I don't pay attention to that's any of That's a those. real thing. That's <laughs> a real thing. It's You can see that in the theaters right now. Well, you know, I mean, I, I guess when you can beat a tank with a sports car, there, you know, where do you go from there? Space? What, what are you going to do? Team up with Jason Voorhees? <laughs> go into yeah. space? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I want to see more of this type of movie or this care in like crafting a simple story around awesome action sequences, you know? See, I like this better than Atomic Blonde because I really enjoyed Atomic Blonde. However, the plot becomes so incomprehensible in that because after a certain point, it's all just kind of like spy MacGuffin nonsense. Which, yeah. which is accurate yeah. because that's how actual spycraft works. It's just there's a certain point where you're just like, I, I don't know, just get let's I'm just <laughs> switching off and I'm just here for the action scenes now. I, I never felt that way with this movie. So um, I would recommend it to fans of action, fans of Bob Odenkirk and fans of Christopher Lloyd. Oh, one thing that I yes, I agree too. One thing that I think is great about this movie that I wanted to say is I think it only works with an actor like Bob Odenkirk as well, because he's like earnest and like the softness in his voice, right? Like it's just always so unexpected. And I think that adds to the comedy because you're like, well, where's this nice family man mm -hmm. going to take this, you know? And it makes for like really remarkably funny or, you know, interesting action sequences because it's unexpected, you know? Well, that's that's what you call playing against type. So I yes. I don't think it would have worked as well if Jason Statham was in this. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. I mean, yeah, I don't have necessarily a problem with Jason Statham, but but that's not the kind of movie that he should be in because he doesn't no, play those I characters. Mean, Just Jason like Statham, like have, have you watched the Meg? Yeah. I okay. I haven't yet. <laughs> I read the book though, and I just the I have great. I have such a hard time getting over the idea that Jason Statham is 
an aquatic scientist. Okay. I thought the same thing too, right? But then, like, there was some interview he was doing where he was talking about, uh, like, his past. And this was, like, around, this was, like, a press thing, like a press run for the Meg, right? Mm -hmm. Come to find out, he was, like, an Olympic fucking diver. And so what's more unbelievable to me? That Jason Statham had a, a career as an Olympic high diver or that he's a fucking aquatic scientist both of them seem far reaching to me you know yeah only but, because he's been typecast yeah 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 exactly yeah but so it's like a Dolph Lundgren situation where he actually has a degree in chemistry like a doctorate yeah, in chemistry but, or something yeah but people think he's an idiot you yeah. know but he's he, even though he like speaks incredibly smart yeah three languages fluently and has a doctorate. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk's wife in this movie, Connie something. Uh, that was another, I found like her background was super interesting. Cause I was like, Oh, this person looks familiar. And she has been in, she was in gladiator uh, all the way back then. But she know she can speak fluently like nine languages. And I'm, wow. and I thought to myself when I thought that, how do you find the time? Right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, how do you get there? Where it's like, I'm going to learn this language today because it's one thing to know phrases or kind of understand something but to be able to speak it fluently and then like i would imagine that speaking it fluently would also mean that you know slang or dialect like wherever the language is or regionally where that language was from that's really fascinating to me it's not as hard as you would think i mean i i can't speak anything fluently but i can play several musical instruments and the parallel is that when you can play one instrument at a high level, you can pick up others easier. And it's the same thing with speaking foreign languages, where if you can speak two languages, you can pick up a third and a fourth a lot easier because you've already got kind of got that hardwired into your brain of like, you know, th this is a thing. Okay, that's the verbs. Here's the subject. They're changing it around this way. Here's the rule, you know. Interesting. Maybe I should try it. God, I don't know. I feel like that would be a monumental undertaking for me because I barely can speak English at times. You well, know? you know, when, when you're in, <laughs> in prison after getting your license taken away for the <laughs> something and you got yeah. nothing but time on your hands, then you can try it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no shit. All right. Well, if you can give us a like and a follow at Post Credits Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, we'd appreciate it as well as a five-star review on any podcast listening platform we would appreciate it and you can send your hate mail too oh uh hi post credits at gmail.com yes please yes and you know any comments that you have questions comments concerns yes <laughs> send it there please anecdotes witty retorts we want it all people <laughs> send yeah. it in yes please all right thanks for listening we'll see you in the next show 